it's just all good. So, um, I, again, I appreciate the opportunity here. Well, we're glad to have you, and you're right. I mean, golf uh, is really uh, not only a, a love and a passion, but it's like a religion. And uh, I'm impressed with the way you came up with the name. How's it been received so far, Brian? No, oh, it's it's been great. Um, I can tell you, anybody in the golf community that I've uh, interacted with, from guys at the Golf Channel and just uh, uh, pros that uh, I may have had the fortune to, to to bump into, they just they love it. They love it, and they they're like, I can't believe somebody else. I can't believe you were able to get the domain name because somebody else didn't come up with it. But you know, it's just uh, yeah, it's been fantastic. Well, that's great. Uh, you promote it as a lifestyle brand at an affordable price. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's the goal. Um, what I would say is um, I want to do, I, I did my research to find a, somebody that could help me source some apparel. Um, and I would tell you that anybody that's, that's uh, purchased the golf shirts and worn them, I mean, I, I would stack them up against any golf shirt you can buy in a pro shop, you know, for 75 80 bucks, and we've got the price down to 50 right now. Um, and it's, uh, it's just a great shirt. Um, I've quality material. Um, I'm not, we're certainly not looking to, um, you know, uh, become, become a Nike or an Under Armour with the pricing. Right. We just want to, you know, we want people to enjoy the brand, people that identify with it, get a good quality, uh, product and not have to, uh, spend a whole lot to get it. Well, give us the website so our listeners who feel like golf is really a religion can go to it. Sure. It's uh, golfreligion.com. And uh, right now, um, I, I just wanted to mention, we're pretty excited. We, we've uh, partnered with uh, Branded Bills uh, to create uh, some new hats. And that first uh, group of hats is coming in. Uh, they arrive on Monday, actually. So uh, when you go to the website, you'll see them on the front page. Um, and then uh, we have uh, hoodies available for around the fire pit. And like I said, the uh, performance polos. But again, that's golfreligion.com. I love it. And you know what else I love? I love what you put on your website. You say it is not a hobby. <laughs> I love That's that. That's exactly right. If you look at uh, some of the hats, the original hats we did, uh, that uh, slogan is uh, right on the side there because it's not, right? I mean, that's, we all feel like uh, there's a deeper meaning to the game to those of us that uh, are that attached to it, and we all understand that. It's not really a hobby for us. It's, uh, like we said, it's a religion. Well, you just talked about some of the new products that you're going to have up on the website starting Monday, but what else is in the future for Golf Religion? You know, um, I think right now we're going to continue to build the brand as far as brand awareness, brand recognition, um, and um, hopefully just continue to grow and, and add uh, product as it, as it makes sense. Um, as the, the community grows in social media, um, I'd like to get feedback from uh other people out there, maybe some things they'd like to see. But we'd like to expand it beyond just being on apparel, um, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, it sounds like you go from apparel to possibly golf towels, maybe golf bags. I mean, it could be. Obviously, it's totally up to y'all, but where do you want the brand to go? I mean, how far do you want it to go, Brian? Yeah, I, you know, I'd like to see it in, uh, in pro shops when people go in, especially if, if nothing more, at least the hats, where somebody can grab a hat and just kind of express themselves that you know what this is, this is my game, this is my hobby, this is uh, you know this is uh, this is my focus, right? And those those people that identify, I want it to be available to people no matter where where they might be in the in the country, and uh, I just want it to become that brand that people, you know, there's brands out there that sell golf and sell. Uh, basketball, football, apparel. I, I just want this to remain a golf-focused brand. Obviously, by the name, I think it has to stay that way. But sure. I, just, that, I just want it to be a staple within the game. And people, when somebody uh, sees someone in a golf religion hat or a shirt, they identify with it and they know, they know the brand. Well, you know you're getting into an extremely competitive field in the golf industry, and you know that, but you must be pleased and excited to feel some of the response that you're getting back from folks about not only the website, but also the products. Yeah, I, I absolutely am, and I'll, I'll tell you some of the most excitement I've had. One, uh, Rich, you reaching out to me, uh, but we got connected because of Damon Hack at Golf Channel. Right, and right. He and Shane, he and Shane Bacon uh, were fantastic. I, I got in touch with those guys. They were excited about the name, um, got them some, some hats and some, some 
shirts, sweaters, that type of thing, and uh, they pass them around, and uh, they've been fantastic. And when you see that kind of excitement from other people and it resonates with them, you know that you've kind of touched on something that, uh, that I, I think it's it's going to be uh, exciting for a lot of people. So, yeah, to your point, it, it's exciting, and I'm really enjoying it. And how often do you and your son get out, and how many strokes does he give you or do you give him? <laughs> it's a great question. So he does. He, my son isn't uh, a believer in giving shots. So, oh boy, um, oh boy, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a he's fourteen and he's a uh, two handicap. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I'm an eight, but he still doesn't give me any shots. But None. We quite a bit. Oh, gee. Now, do you play from <laughs> the same tees? Yes, we play. We play from the tips. Okay. Um, He's uh, my son now. I, I promise you, he's mine. I'm five seven. My son's five eleven, and uh, <laughs> he's just got the perfect golfer's build. So um, he hits the ball about. Uh, he's about two eighty five off the tee, and uh, Dad is about fifty yards behind him. Yep. But uh, he's learned that uh, it's not all about distance. You got to have that short game. So that I'm able to compete once in a while with him. Yeah, but not giving you any strokes. I mean, come on, from a two to a. <laughs> And eight, I mean, you've got to get some strokes, at least a couple aside. No, he, he just enjoys taking my money. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, so give us the website one more time, Brian. All right, that's golfreligion.com, uh, golfreligion.com. And, uh, look, uh, we, we appreciate anybody that wants to come in and check us out and uh, hope that uh, everybody else feels the same way and, and uh, they know where to go find the religion. I love it. You betcha. Golf religion it is. Brian, great idea. Thanks for sharing golf religion with us. And uh, just keep pushing for some points from your son. I mean, come on. He's got to give up a little bit. Maybe you'll give me some today. We do have a match later today. All right. Well, good luck with that. And thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Rich. All right. Brian Fry. And uh, next up, we're going to go live to Whistling Straits uh, with Ryder Cup and Mark Raquel of Club Car. They provide the carts for the captains. And uh, must be pretty cool to be up there today, not only weather-wise, but also the way that the U.S. team is playing. Thank goodness. We'll be back with that right after we talk about Mizuno Golf. They've always had the best irons in the game. The JPX 921 Series offers feel and performance to suit players of all skill levels. Uh, the new STG 220 driver offers maximum adjustability with a combination of three tracks and two movable weights. You can complete your bag with the brand new T22 wedges featuring three finishes and four unique sole grinds to improve your short game. Check it all out with Mizuno at MizunoGolf.com. Nothing feels like Mizuno, so reach beyond.
PGA professional Steve Scott, and you're listening. This is PGA professional Steve Scott, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Well, we all know it's college football weekend. It's that time of the year. Unless you love golf, which we all do, it is Ryder Cup weekend. On the phone with us is Mark Raquel of Club Car. Mark, good morning, and you are at the Whistling Straits Ryder Cup. How cool is that? You need- uh, it's very exciting, and maybe you'll hear the crowd in the background. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the U.S. is definitely representing today, and it's loud and proud. And right behind you is one of the reasons why you're there, because you all provide the carts for the captains and the assistant captains at the Ryder Cup. That's correct. We do. Um, we've enjoyed doing that since 1991. Wow. Uh, when we started to recognize there's a real strategy, uh, and the captains have such an integral part to that. Um, but they need to be everywhere. So we saw this as an opportunity to provide a solution and deepen the relationship with the PGA of America, as well as the European Tour. I've never been to a Ryder Cup. I, I know a lot of people have, but probably more have not. Um, how is it to go to the Ryder Cup and you immediately, just because of all the stuff that's going on, you immediately get into the excitement? Yeah, it's it's a very different experience to you know most golf events that you've attended. Um, this is where the pride and nationalism uh, really shows for both uh, Europe as well as America. Um, it's just a very exciting time, and they certainly know how to build up the crowd. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it is just you walk out there, I'm sure. How do you do it? I mean, because there's so much going on. There's only four matches going on, and the right. crowds behind each one of the matches, I'm sure, are just deep as can be. So how do you watch it? Do you look at it on the, on the big screens, or do you kind of walk around and get on a high place to see it? Great question. It's a combination of both. You know, we, have, we have the good fortune of having a chalet right between the first tee and number nine, so we get to see it on both sides. Oh, my but gosh. For the general spectator, I mean, you've got all sorts, right? They come here at 3 o'clock in the morning to line up to get Jeez. into the stands. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's really impressive that they take that kind of uh, time and investment to be here, but most people are traveling. They'll try to get ahead of the, the matches as far as they can. But there is risk, right? If if uh, you get out to number 17 or 18, it may not make it there. So you want to kind of stay close. Or you get out to 17 and 18 and you don't have a, a chance of seeing anything because the crowd's already there. Exactly. That's yeah. right. So it is deep. when the Ryder Cup goes over to Europe and plays, do you also still provide the carts there too? Absolutely. Uh, we provide it for both sides. That's what I was sharing earlier. Uh, we have a great relationship with the European Tour as well, and uh, the PGA supports the uh, you know the program for the Ryder Cup. And the next one actually is in Italy, so we're looking forward to being there in Rome. Okay, so Prego, uh, Rich, and Mark in Italy in two years. Got it. Okay. <laughs> That's right. All right. So what do you do with the carts that you provide to the captains and assistant captains after the Ryder Cup? You and I talked about this yesterday. We did. Yeah, a lot of times we'll give the, the captains and co-captains an opportunity to purchase the vehicles if they would like to. And if they don't, then we usually are looking to provide some sort of charity auction uh, for an opportunity to purchase. And that's all over the country that, that you can do that. You kind of pick if you want to go to an auction where you're going to put them. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Right. So there are any special accessories on these captains and assistant captain carts that maybe would not be on a regular club car cart? Oh, absolutely. You will find that the trophy is in, uh, embroidered on the seat itself, and it's, it's beautiful, as well as just the decaling, right? For the U.S., you'll see the flag and certainly uh, the colors in the flag for the European group as well. What is it, and you've been to several Ryder Cups, what is it about the Ryder Cup besides playing for your country that just brings out the excitement and the fans just going nuts? 
<laughs> I wish I, I wish I knew exactly what that was, Rich. I think it's just the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, you know, they do such a great job building everybody up. And you, if you look through the crowd, you'll see everybody is in all kinds of different regalia, um, you know, looking for some attention, obviously, but also they're there to support their country and their team. And they're just really getting into the moment. What I thought was interesting was Europe came out in Green Bay Packer colors and with yeah. cheese heads on just to get the American crowd to cheer with them. I thought that was very, very clever. It was very clever. And as you know, unfortunately, uh, Europe has been shut down for travel and COVID, which is definitely unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was really smart on their part to try and uh, see if they couldn't coax some of the Americans over. Yeah. It. Uh, I think it probably worked. Um, do the fans seem bigger because it's been three years since we've had a Ryder Cup compared to the other Ryder Cups that you've been to? Great question. Uh, actually, the fan base is a little bit smaller than in the past. And I think obviously with the restrictions of travel, that's a part of it. Okay. Uh, but I did talk with uh, some of the PGA leaders last night at the partner dinner. And what was interesting is they're up in terms of the overall sales. So I think there was a real hunger for some consumption around the product. So they're up 40% uh, versus wow. the last Ryder Cup. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, that is good. Are the fans being respectful? I mean, I've seen some things on social media saying they're not. I've seen, I've seen others that saying that they are, and I'm sure there's pockets of, of each, but for the most part, how do you feel the fans have been as far as respect? Great question. I, I think these, this fan group has been really good. Um, yeah, you're always going to get a few rowdies, but it's been a great group of people. I have actually been out in the crowd and following myself, and I don't see anything that's uh, out of order at this point in the game anyway. And who have you been following? Oh, I love uh, Cantley. I love watching his play. He's, he's just deadly stealth. <laughs> but also I like to see uh, uh, Bryson. Um, when he made some, some aggressive moves the other day, yeah. and some big long shots. It's just, it's exciting to see the different types of players that are out here, but putting, I'd say Cantlay is uh, really strong. Yeah, and we obviously are rooting for Harris English. Uh, oh, yeah. It's just awesome to see him there and, and play, and it's nice to see that the U.S. is up. Any predictions that you kind of see over the weekend? You know, um, it's kind of, we had the good fortune of having Ben Crenshaw in here to talk about his 1999 win as the uh, Ryder Cup captain, um, and what he said, it kind of reigns true in terms of predictions you know they were down the first day significantly almost like this so i think everybody's a little cautious to get too excited yeah uh, there's a lot more work to do and so i think today is really pivotal on um, what the outcome will be and having been there knowing what he went through when he was captain saying mm -hmm. i've got a very special feeling about today <laughs> i mean yeah, that was <laughs> just so awesome it is awesome and uh we actually had him do that same routine here in the chalet oh awesome. did you really we did, yeah. I'm sure it got up a big cheer with everybody. It did, yeah. Everybody enjoyed it. It was an honor to have him here. So what's coming up for Club Car, Mark? I, I know the Ryder Cup, but you've also got, you're involved in some other tournaments. I know you're involved in Savannah. Um, what other things is Club Car getting involved in? Well, right now, I mean, obviously our focus is, you know, our big championship that's coming up in Savannah. So we'll be putting a lot of time in making sure that that's, um, you know, properly uh, developed and ready to go. Uh, that's our really our next big um, session. So nothing else is really on the calendar for us except focusing on that. All right. I'm going to ask you a question, put you on the spot. PGA show. I've heard yeah. a lot of people are not going. And I've also heard that it's going to be a very different from what it's been in the past. Hmm. Will Club Car be at the PGA show in January? That's a great question. As as of now, I would say yes. Club Car will be at the PGA show. Okay. Um, I was talking to some of the manufacturers who usually have events prior to the PGA show or during that week. And a couple of them have just said, we're not doing the event. And we're really seri seriously thinking about not going to the PGA show. Yeah. It, you know, the difficulty is we really don't know what's going to happen with the, var the variants. Um, so I think it's hard to make big investments at this point. Um, I think the important part is the PGA show is important for many different facets and right. we want to support it and we're prepared to support it. If the, you know, if COVID doesn't relax and we see something else happen, obviously we're, we're going to support the, the need for safety and keeping our community safe. So 
but as of right now, we're going to be attending. Yeah, that's a great answer. So as far as research and development, how far is research and development like for next year, for 2022, what Club Car may add to as far as <laughs> what you have in the carts? I mean, the technology has just been incredible. The demand for yeah. it has been everybody wants speakers and they want this and they want to charge their phones. And yes. I mean, how far can it really go, Mark? Um, I think... I, Great question, very tricky question for me to answer. <laughs> what I will tell you is, I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth and development. You've got a long ways between a golf car and an automobile. So I'm gonna leave it at that, but there's a lot of potential in the future and we're really looking forward to what the future may bring. But it's getting closer. I mean, because you're doing street, you know, equipped golf carts that can go, what, 25, 35 miles an hour? 25 LSV is the fastest, that's correct. Okay. And I know some people would like to pump them up and make them go a little bit faster still. But, you know, we see a lot of golf carts here. I'm sure you see it all over. And there are certain spots of the country where I'm sure sales are just unbelievable. And those are the pockets that obviously help Club Car grow as far as a brand. Yeah, it's been uh, we, we've been a benefactor in this time period. We've seen great growth in the business. And to your point, we see nothing but positive growth in the future for our business. Yeah, and you've had positive growth with a guy by the name of Grayson Sig also from here that you oh. guys is an ambassador for you and now yes, he he's is. on the PGA Tour. That is really, really cool. We're very excited for Grayson and he, you know, he's been great for golf. We love to see them coming seeing him come out of the Corn Ferry Tour, which obviously we're supporting and sponsoring the Club Car Championship. So it's it's exciting. It's 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 sad in a way for y'all because Grayson was on the Corn Ferry Tour and he was kind of like one of the stars. Now he's on the PGA Tour and he's one of many that make it. But at least he's going to be able to play every week because of his finish in the Corn Ferry Finals. That's exactly right. Yeah. And we're looking forward to his success on the PGA Tour as well. You know, we we're part of the growth of the game. This is a perfect environment for us. You know, we get to see young new stars developing and the whole goal is to see them move into the PGA Tour. And so it's again, it's just a, it's an exciting opportunity for all of us. All right, you're there with Club Car. You provide the carts for the captains, assistant captains of both teams. Are you in a golf cart or are you walking? <laughs> no, I'm walking. <laughs> you know, the, the beauty of being here, obviously, is just watching the game. But I will say that there's a lot of operational needs, and Club Car also supports that. So on That's campus, cool. we have over 560 cars that supports the operations in the background. So oh there's a lot of vehicles out here. Not many people know that or see it because they do such a great job keeping it in the background. But a lot of operational requirements, and we're grateful to be able to support that. Well, Mark, we can't thank you enough for being with us live from the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. Thank you. Um, love your outfit. Love the cards. And uh, good luck and go USA. Thank you, Rich. Go USA. All right. Good talking Bye -bye. with you, Mark Raquel, uh, at the Ryder Cup. And uh, coming up next on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, former broadcaster and U.S. and British amateur champ born in Brunswick. Steve Melnick is next on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show.
This is Tom Hemmings. I'm a personal trainer at the Golf Performance Center at Sea Island, Georgia, and you're listening to Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. And Tom happens also be the trainer for Harris English, playing at the Ryder Cup. And such excitement brings us to our next guest, Steve Melnick. Steve was born in Brunswick and won the Georgia Open when he was 18. Good morning, Steve. Welcome to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Rich, good morning. Always a pleasure to join you. It's always a pleasure to have you. I see you practicing quite a bit over at the Performance Center, uh, mostly short game, but that's where you kind of win most of your tournaments. Well, there's no long and long game with me anymore, Rich. (laughs) (laughs) At my age, but I still enjoy the the competitive aspect of it, and I think it's it's almost um, false pride, if you will, because I still think I can play. But my, my link to my drives and my scores tell me otherwise. Uh, I, I totally relate to exactly what you're saying. It's like, I used to be able to do this, and okay, now I can't. So I think we're both past tense golfers, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But at least we're golfing, right? Exactly. All right, big weekend in golf, Ryder Cup. Do you get excited about the Ryder Cup? I get excited about any team uh, event in golf. I'm I watched every shot of the Curtis Cup when the ladies played over in Wales. Um, huge Walker Cup fan, having played two Walker Cups. I watched that at Seminole. And I missed uh, yesterday because I was playing in a fundraiser down at the University of Florida, but I, I caught up uh, during the play. We kept up with it via our iPhone. And, and then last night watched the highlights, and I'm watching it right now. So it's, it's terrific. Uh, it, it's kind of the best of all wars. I love match play anyway. Yeah. I love the head-to-head competition. and. Certainly the Ryder Cup offers that. Yeah, and how do you feel so far about the U.S. team? The average age, 29 years old, nobody on the team over the age of 40, and the first time since the 90s that we haven't had Tiger or Phil on a team. Well, even more importantly, Rich, and and, and how impressive is the fact that there are six first-timers on this year's Ryder Cup team, and they have all performed well. I was really proud of um, Harris English yesterday. Yep. Granted, he got a great partner in Tony Finau, but uh, uh, getting that first point for Harris has got to be something special. You bet. You played, as you said, in two wider Walker Cups. Is it similar to playing with the Ryder Cup? I know the crowds may be a little different in size, but you're still playing for your country. Yeah, uh, I was fortunate. The first Walker Cup we played was at Milwaukee Country Club, which is a fabulous facility, but my second one, we played at the old course at St. Andrews, and I'd never played in front of bigger amateur crowds than that. There were fifteen to 20,000 people out uh, each of the two days there, and uh, that was really special. That's not something that you can take away. And ironically, the um, Walker Cup is going back there in uh, 23, and when it was first announced several years ago, I immediately booked my room over there. So I'll be going back over. Awesome. Bring back some old memories, take some photos, yep. and uh, kind of walk some of the places you walked then. Yeah, it's really special to me. I got to play a British Open there, uh, Walker Cup. I came back a number of times and broadcast the British Open there. It's just one of the very special places uh, in all of sport. Yeah, it's the only place I've played in Scotland, only played one time. I parred the first hole, and then I started listening to the stories from my caddy, and I think I double bogeyed four or five of the next holes and even hit to the wrong hole because I was not listening to where he told me to aim. <laughs> that happens on those double greens. There are seven double greens at St. Andrews, and it's, it's pretty unique. What was it like for you when you were 18 to win the Georgia Open? Rich, I don't know how to say this. I wasn't that good a player. Uh, growing up, I was fortunate. I played four sports there at Glen Academy. I was kind of good in all of them, and not great in any of them. And, and I was a late bloomer, even though my parents were very good players and introduced me to the game early. But uh, the light kind of went on uh, late, and uh, that really um, that win sort of told me, okay, you got a chance to do some good in this game. And then I went down to Florida, where it's very competitive and. Uh, I guess the rest, as they say, is history. So we, we talked about that yesterday. Spurrier and I were playing together in a game tour, and, and um, we were the same pledge class and fraternity brothers and roommates. And uh, it, it shaped his life. It shaped my life. So we're both very blessed. What was it like for Steve Melnick to play at Augusta National and become the low amateur? That had to be cool. 
Well, Rich, uh, my first round at Augusta, I got paired with this guy named Nicholas. Hmm. Uh, never met him. I met him on the first tee for the first time, and we we really it, it became a really a lifelong friendship from that one round of golf. We both played reasonably well. It was a tough conditions. Uh, I shot 73. He shot 71. They brought us in the press room. After the obligatory um, questions from reporters, one of the guys said to Jack, he said, well, how did you and Steve happen to get paired together? And without so much as batting an eye, he looked at the reporter and said, by weight. <laughs> My gosh. Interesting. That's yeah, a, that is great. a great story. We, we, we caught up again this, this year at the Masters. Debbie and I and Jack and Barbara had one of those great two-hour lunches when we didn't talk about golf at all. It was all about kids and grandkids and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been blessed, Rich. The game of golf has, has given me uh, so many wonderful memories and exposed me to so many things that I never thought I would, would receive growing up in Brunswick. Well, let's also talk about another memory. Uh, 1972, you placed 12th in the Augusta National Tournament, and you won the Par 3 Tournament. How was that for Steve Melnick? Well, it was Pretty neat. Uh, I, I didn't realize the history at the time of the par three, um, but it was it was so cool. Cliff Roberts, uh, I got to know him early. Well, uh, Bob Jones, I never met, but he sent a letter to me after I won the amateur, and he, and he asked Mr. Roberts to look out for me because Jones' health wouldn't allow him to to greet me at Augusta, and, mm-hmm. and it was Mr. Roberts who presented the prize to me, and, and we we were always good friends. But um, and then that. And now that I'm an honorary invitee, you know, I played in the par three a number of years. Um, in fact, I'm, I played with one of the uh, European uh, Ryder Cupers, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, one year there. So okay. uh, Augusta does it right in every way imaginable. And uh, let's see, I played six, broadcast ten, been back to an honorary about 12 or 13. So I, I've got a great master's uh, uh, memory bank. Is Augusta National unlike any other? Yeah, it, it, it's a tournament that is, the, I think it's the only major championship played at the same course every year. Uh, you know what to expect, uh, and yet everything is done so perfectly well that nothing is left to chance, and it is an absolute joy to be a part of. So. As I said, as a player, as a broadcaster, as an honorary person, as an invitee, it is just the best. Steve, how would you describe your PGA Tour career? Well, Rich, I had a number of, of, of injuries um, that I just I never talked about. And, and, yeah. and um, honestly, I, I turned pro by default after I won the. I was fortunate enough to win the British Amateur, and uh, I was working for an insurance company in Jacksonville and didn't really like it, and, uh, and there wasn't any money back then. And, it, and I've always been an amateur at heart, but I turned pro anyway. And it's not that I regretted it because it, it was a good experience, but I was quick to get my amateur status back and, um, and move on and did a lot of things in the, in the private business world that I would not have done had I remained on the tour, but I broke my elbow. Uh, back in 1982, but what it did, Richard, it launched a 26-year broadcast career. So, right. again, I'm very blessed. I turned a bad break into a good break, and uh, the rest is history. And you have your amateur status back, because I know you've been playing in some amateur events. So what's what's kind of in the future for you? Well, about 10 years ago, I started an event at Temaquan in my home club there, and it has turned into what I think is the best mid-am, senior-am event in the country. Uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that our final pairing in the senior group this year had three former USGA senior uh, champions, which is pretty unlikely, and, I, and I'm really proud. But Tim McCormick has embraced the tournament. Uh, the players love it. The course is great. And then actually in, in two weeks, uh, we're hosting for the first time ever a Champions Tour event um, that we've got a great field. Jim Furyk's joined the club, and he's been helpful in putting together a great um, charity foundation. We've got an amazing field with Mickelson and Furyk and uh, Couples, Love. I mean, it's it's terrific. So I'm happy for the club down there. Yeah, it's an old Donald Ross design, and uh, I played it, but it was a few years ago, and just loved it. 
Yeah, uh, my, my players love it. This, we had uh, this year uh, 85 players. This is a Timahorn Cup now, 85 players from, from 17 states. So I think wow. it's, uh, it says a lot about how good it is. So you got into broadcasting. Um, how did that happen after your golf career? Well, I broke my elbow. I knew I couldn't play again, and uh, I reached out to CBS through Pat Summerall, an old friend, and uh, um, they tried me on a sort of a temporary basis. I did okay, and then um, they, they thrust me into the, the Masters, and I covered the 10th hole that year in 1982. And rich as it turned out, it was the um, site of the playoff between uh, Craig Stadler and Dan Pohl. And I guess I pulled it off. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know what to say. I was just very fortunate. And CBS was good to me. I had a great run. And uh, right place, right time. So, uh, again, uh, I'm, just, I'm just blessed. What do you think, Steve, and you and I have talked about this in the past, but what do you think of the current status of the golf broadcasts and the announcers that we've got? Well, I'm, I'm old school. I didn't feel like I needed to say a lot. If anything, I said less rather than more. I think today guys just talk so much. I, I sort of say tongue-in-cheek that so many of these announcers today have a contract where they get paid by the word. Huh, yeah, I was I was not among them. Uh, the, you know, the easiest tournament I did every year when I was at CBS was the Masters, right? Because I didn't I didn't say much, Rich. I covered eleven and twelve, the first two holes at Amen Corner. Every golf fan in America and across the world knows what eleven looks like. Knows twelve, probably the most famous par three in golf. So I mean, I would cover the twelfth hole by saying Faldo seven iron, win from the right, and that's it. Yeah. You know, and, and you let the pictures, you let the sounds uh, sort of speak for themselves. Yeah. All I could do is mess it up by saying, um, uh, saying more. Yeah, it seems like some of broadcasters, and I don't want to mention any names, seem to go into too much analyzing whether it was a good hit or whether it was hit three screws up or it came off the top of the club or the bottom of the club. And it, it, it just seems to me like they're guessing, just trying to say something. Sure. Exactly. I mean, listen, there are very few, very few perfect shots in golf. Uh, guys are not trying to hit bad shots. So, you know, don't pound on them when they hit a bad shot. game's hard enough as it is. Right. And uh, Ben Crenshaw said it best. The competitive golf is an 18-hole examination. And there's that little block that right here scorecard and that's your exam score for the day and so and that's what every player has to deal with when they play golf do you have somebody steve that you think is doing a good job as far as the broadcasts of golf tournaments well there, there are two types of announcers or broadcasters they're table setters uh like mike Tirico, i think is terrific i think dan hicks is terrific nance is terrific those are table setters and then there's there's the supporting cast, and if the table setter doesn't uh, present his uh, accompanying cast in the right way, it can be it can be difficult. I worked with some guys early on when I when I made the transition over to ABC that they were not easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't they didn't share the mic well. Uh, I will say this: that Mike Tirico is probably the best. Uh, and most prepared um, table setter or host I've ever seen. Wow. It was awesome to work with. Interestingly, I'm, I'm asked often who were the best um, analysts I ever worked with because I hosted a number of events for them as well. But, and and uh, of the three answers, two were, were women, Judy Rankin and, and um, uh, Dottie Pepper. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were great. I loved yeah. doing work with both of them. Dottie and I did a lot of USGA um, women's championships together and, and uh, she's one of my favorites. Yeah, I've kind of been enjoying uh, a couple of the former caddies, like Bones and uh, John Wood, as far as their Absolutely. insights into. I think they've been doing a great job. Well, they bring an intuitive perspective that few can offer. I think Jimmy McKay could be one of the two or three best announcers. Forget on course, forget analysts, right. forget right. host. He's become one of the two or three best announcers in the game of golf, and I'm really happy for him. Yeah. Well, Steve, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be back more with uh, Steve Melnick on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Please stay with us.
Hi, this is Hi, this is Vicki Stiles at Back Nine Boys. You are listening to my husband. Oh, my gosh. Well, welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're on the phone with Steve Melnick. Uh, Steve, when you go to the range now, knowing where you've gone in your career and the golfers that you've seen and played with, uh, when you go, when you watch people, what do you see some of the things that they may need to work on or things that they're trying to do that maybe they shouldn't? I see so many players um, have a lifelong struggle because they don't have a good sound set of fundamentals, Rich. They don't stand to the ball properly. They don't grip the club properly. They don't aim properly. And uh, I remember years ago, Davis's dad said the golf swing is a product of the address position. And if you you teach yourself the game without the right fundamentals, you'll be – I hate to say this, it, it'll be a career frustration. Right. Uh, I was I was really blessed. Both my parents were good players. I never had a lesson until I was almost 30 years old. I stood at the ball properly, had a, had a good grip. And it, my, my stance grip and posture hadn't changed in like 50-something years. Yeah. And I'm really lucky that uh, I was uh, shown those fundamentals early in my career. Well, don't you feel that sometimes when these golfers like uh, Spieth and some of these others go experimenting, that usually it comes back to the basics anyway? Yeah, it is. I, I, I went down two weeks ago to talk to the University of Florida golf team, and I said, let me tell you something. You're never as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as you think you are. So good point. don't let the game beat you. You're not defined by what you shoot. Um, you're here on the tour, you're here on the golf team in college because you're a good player. So don't make it too complicated. Don't make it hard. Um, Keep it simple. I mean, Freddie Couples is my all-time favorite golfer. And I jokingly said one time on the air, I said, if Freddie can write down all he knows about the golf swing on a 3 by 5 card. And and Freddie heard about that. He said, I like that. That's pretty good. I said, is that accurate? He said, absolutely. (laughs) Keep it simple. Keep it simple. It's not a complicated game. Um, make it fun, and, and it'll be a lifelong uh, passion for you. So some of these young guns that are out there are the guys that are on the tour. Who are you most impressed with at the way that they handle themselves from a character standpoint and their game? Well, I would say that the young players that, that have a presence here, um, you talking about the current players today? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you look at Davis has been a great mentor and role model for uh, Zach Johnson and Kuchar and and, and, uh, Harris English and Hudson Swafford and Brian Harmon, Um, and and they get it. And I think that's the the, the highest compliment I could say about it. They get it. They understand they're fortunate to play. Uh, it's, It's a great game, and they're successful at it. Don't take it for granted. Don't act like a you-know-what. There are certain players that uh, I can't stand the way they act, the way they draw attention to themselves. I think back to Nicholson and Palmer and, and how they comported themselves. Um, I mean, Jack was Jack Nicholas was the most gracious loser I have ever seen. Hmm. And I think that, that may be the, the, 
the, the nicest compliment I could ever give to him because he understood and respected the game so much. Right. All right. Well, you've been injured, your elbow and some others over the years, uh, as we all have, but you've had a major injury. Tiger's had a major injury. Do you think, and we've got about a minute left, do you think Tiger's going to be able to get back to the game and anywhere close to where he was before he got hurt? Rich, from what I have been told, and I don't have any intimate details, I think Tiger's goal right now is to figure out a way to have a normal lifestyle. And I'm not sure that golf is in that lifestyle. Okay. Uh, he's a dad now, and uh, I think the fact that he's, he's having a hard time getting around uh, is his priority now. It's not about getting back on tour. It's about getting back to be a normal dad for his, his kids right now. All right, one last question. What is Steve Melnick's dream foursome? Ooh. Uh, probably my dad, my two sons, and Bobby Jones. How's oh, that? Cool. That is awesome. Steve, thanks for being with us. I'll see you on the range, and uh, just thank you for being with us. You got it. Call me anytime, Rich. Enjoy your show. All right, thanks, Steve. Steve Melnick, uh, former U.S. and British amateur. Uh, won the Georgia Open at the age of 18. Uh, great guy, plays up here a lot, practices up here even more. Um, just a, a great opportunity to talk with him and Mark Raquel of Club Car live from the Ryder Cup up at Whistling Straits. And then Brian Fry with Golf Religion. You got to check it out at golfreligion.com. This is the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. We're on every Saturday and Sunday from 8 to 9 right here on ESPN Coastal. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being with us every Saturday and Sunday. And check us out. Have a great day. Tee it up somewhere or don't. Just have a great day. You've been listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show with Rich Stiles. Go to backnineboys.com for all things golf whenever you want it. We'll be back next week with an all-new Back Nine Boys at backnineboys.com.